Greetings. I am Dorothy Dowling, a principal of DEI Advisors. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to personal empowerment. I am delighted to welcome Christy Gaoshao, Chief Commercial Officer at KSL Resorts, to our show today. Christy, it is such an honor to have you with us today. Thank you, Dorothy. I'm, I'm actually in awe of, of your podcast. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to join you. We're mutual fans of each other, Christy. So it's a pleasure to have you. I'm hoping we can start with your career journey, Christy. We usually ask our DEI advisors to help us contextualize the journey that they have been on in terms of the success that they've reached. And you've just had an amazing commercial leadership journey in terms of the hospitality industry for many years. So I'm hoping you'll share some of your secrets of your career success with our audience today. Oh, well, thank you for that very kind comment. Yes, I reflect, I think, probably on a daily basis. And I would say I'm very grateful for the opportunities that have been afforded to me in my career that have allowed me to try a lot of new things, take twists and turns and and bring me to to where I am today with KSL Resorts. But I think if I look back, there's a number of factors that have had an impact. Just a quick kind of summary of all the different disciplines I've been in. I think starting with very early days when I was just 17, I got this bug to travel and I decided I wanted to be a travel agent. So my first foray into travel and leisure was actually as a travel agent on the BT side of things. And this was very early days, even for what what then, what we know is now as Sabre GDS, but back then they were just starting to to, uh, find their footing in the United Kingdom. And I was one of the agencies that was able to work with, with that particular system in the early days. And it was fascinating. And I remember thinking, gosh, there's so many different places that this job can take me. But from there, I decided to step sideways. I took a degree in leisure and travel. I ended up joining a freight forwarding company of all things at Terminal 4 London Heathrow Airport. And, and that really lit my passion for aviation and airline. And from there, I transitioned over into passenger passenger aviation, passenger sales, and, and and kept on making moves towards lodging. And, and I say making moves because each one almost presented itself to me. And again, as I look back, I think there was a pattern emerging. And that pattern was emerging through the connections and the networks I was establishing. And it was also deliberate to a large degree too, because I was trying to expand upon my experience. I was moving from jobs in sales to jobs in marketing to then moving over into um, more of a revenue related discipline. So I was getting the diversity of disciplines. Uh, But I was also going large company, small company, large company, small company. And what that allowed me to do in each step was either go, as you would imagine, narrow and deep in terms of applying my expertise and, and growing my expertise or broad and shallow in larger companies, sorry, in smaller companies, of course, where you have to wear multiple hats. And so there was this constant learning that was going on. So boiling it down, I think that there was three key aspects to my career, or at least to my career so far. One is the big and the small. Two is rotating across the different disciplines and becoming a well-rounded commercial leader. And the third is continuing to work that network because even today, I know that my future opportunity is going to come through that network that I continue to build. And so far, it's been a lot of fun. So I'm hoping it continues for a a number of years ahead of time. 
I do think that's a brilliant synopsis, Christy, as you talked about the big and small and an expanded scope versus a narrow scope and really being able to get some of the depth of knowledge. That I think really empowers you to connect dots. And then also just your ability to work across different disciplines in the enterprise, I also think allows you to put different stakeholder personas on in terms of understanding what their needs are. So I think that is an amazing synopsis of how you have built your career and and really established yourself as such a credible commercial leader in terms of the kind of value creation you bring to our industry. So thank you for uh, sharing that perspective with us. I'm wondering if there was a personal mantra that really drove you because starting at 17, like you have said, and then really having a lot of intentionality in terms of your career path. Is is there something that shaped that direction for you? The best said, if you go to the KSL Resorts website today, you'll see that we do actually include, a, funnily enough, a, a mantra there underneath the bios for each of our leaders. And mine's best summarized as reminding myself, but also saying to others, open your eyes because it's good everywhere. And what I mean by that is, is keep, an, keep growth mindset at all times. Um, be aware of your surroundings at all times. And being aware of one's surroundings isn't just the physical, but it's reading emotions. It's understanding the needs and wants of the different audiences and stakeholders that you're serving. And being able to also keep that, that concept of there is good everywhere allows you to, I think, remain very positive and uh, underscores the importance of always looking for opportunity and being imaginative and creative and I suppose having demonstrating intellectual curiosity in everything that you do and I think if we all go through life with that mindset there's only good things that can come from that so that's well, it. I will, it's a small it's a more very small statement but there's so much pat behind it of course what I was going to offer back to Christian, I thank you for sharing that because it is definitely how you present yourself in every opportunity that I have seen as you bring that positivity and that growth mindset in terms of exploring and and pushing everyone's mind to think through some things in a big way. So I now have a deeper understanding of what your (laughs) DNA and what that mantra is that you bring to everything that you consider. So thank you. I'm also wondering if we can talk a little bit about your career progression and career champions, because many Mm -hmm. of us have had advocates in our career development. So I'm hoping you might share some of that with us today as well. Yes. And I'm glad that you've asked me this because I think there's been so many people who've touched my life, both personally and obviously professionally. And I believe that they deserve the recognition and I feel very blessed. And there's just so many, honestly, but there's a couple of of standouts. And the way I tend to to think about this is... um, who were those people who took a chance on me, took a gamble on me? That would be my first bucket. My second bucket would be those who fought for me. And there are certain instances and moments in our careers where we all need somebody in our corner who's willing to to pick up the fight with us. The third is um, probably best described as those who guided me, whether it's through academic or professional mentorship. And then the last is those who created opportunity. And that's a very distinct group. And sometimes there is overlap, of course, between all four of those. So if I think about the the first point I made there was those who took a chance on me. There was an individual called Alex Grimmond, who was at the time head of UK sales and marketing for Scandinavian Airline Systems, SAS. And uh, he gave me my first internship 
when I was studying tourism at the University of North London. And so you could say he took a chance on me because he had other students that he could um, entertain at that point in time. And he really did feed my passion and gave me this taste for our industry. Um, and it led to, I think, even long past my internship. I remember they did present me with an employment opportunity at the end of my degree. I subsequently moved in a different direction, but I'm forever grateful for him giving me that chance to really learn about airline operations, airline marketing. I made great friendships while I was doing my internship, and those friendships are still in place today. That's one example, but there is a second, and, and there's actually many more, but the other individual, and note that both of these individuals are gentlemen who have supported me early on in my career. And the second is uh, Mark Lewis, who is today the CEO of Hotel Res. And Mark employed me to um, come and work with him at UTEL and Pegasus. And this was in, I think, late 1999, year 2000. And it really was a gamble because I was being employed to take on an opportunity I hadn't got any direct experience in. But I feel as though Mark saw something in me and was willing to take a chance, put me into the seat and put the right support to, uh, around me. And look where he's gone today. And I'm very proud of all of his achievements. But I wouldn't be where I am today if he hadn't um, believed in me at that point in my career. So in terms of those who fought for me, and this is really important, there were two ladies um, who, who went to bat for me shortly after, actually, I went to work for Mark because there was a reorganization at Pegasus. And uh, as a consequence of that reorganization, a number of jobs were um, removed from the company. And one of, uh, one of those jobs was the one I'd held at the time. So they had removed um, the, a number of sales positions. And I was just packing up my box and getting ready to move on to my next big adventure when I got a phone call from um, a lady called Wendy Shamia, who's unfortunately no longer with us. Um, but uh, she said, Christy, Sally and I have been working with the team over in the US, and this is Sally Richards from Raspberry Sky. We've been able to create this new position for you in marketing. And she was so excited. And I said, oh, goodness. I said, I'm so grateful. I've actually already taken on another opportunity with Le Meridian. So things were moving very quickly. I still remember how I felt during that phone call. I still remember that conversation. And I am eternally grateful, I think, to, to both of those ladies who honestly had to move mountains and engage with a number of people at what was a very difficult time for everybody and probably precarious for them too at that point in their career in order to, to bring that opportunity to me. But it's a great, it was a great learning moment. And, and I have gone on to follow in their footsteps because at the end of the day, we all need somebody in our corner. The third bucket, those who guided me very quickly on this, my former CEO, Bill Walsh, at Viceroy Hotels and Resorts, an incredible man. But there was a couple of things that he taught me early on in my career when we worked together at Jumeirah. And that was, number one, Christy, get involved with industry. You need to create a platform for yourself. You need to immerse yourself, whether it's with Hedna or HSMAI or other organizations, because your network is key to everything that you want to achieve in your career and even in business, because we know that network helps us problem solve as well as provide personal opportunities. The second was remember to let people go on time. Now that's a leadership skill. And so many of us don't do this. 
but it's fair to ourselves and it's fair to the other person. And the third was treat every single engagement opportunity. And he was really referring to speaking opportunities. Like they're the world's biggest interview. He said, because Christy, we're always on stage. And when we get up onto a real stage, an actual stage, whether that's as a panelist or as a keynote speaker, everybody's watching, people are making judgments. And it is your opportunity to take home a really important message. Be clear as to what your message is. And, and I hopefully we can talk about that a little bit more, but th th those are the takeaways. And then the last, those who created opportunities for me um, was all of the above, because in all of those discussions, there was opportunity associated to it. But I would say that there's a number of key industry individuals who I've met through trade associations, such as Early Days Hedner and later Andrew Bonacci being one of those individuals who's very proactive in identifying me or letting others know if there's an opportunity that might suit somebody he's usually the first person who will say have you had a conversation with Christy now it that's all it takes and we all need those individuals in our ecosystem and Equally, I have done the same for many of the individuals that we've talked about and will continue to do. So. I think that's a brilliant synopsis, Christy, in terms of thinking about people that give you those opportunities, the chances that you talk. I, I certainly believe we all need someone in our corner many times in role and potentially when we're advocating for a new role. And then that whole aspect of people giving you that honest feedback and guidance that you need to hear in terms of your career development. And those that are constantly propelling and advocating in terms of opportunities for future. And I do love the way that you have framed that up and also how you pay it forward to others. So thank you for that synopsis in terms of that career journey and the wonderful mentors that you have had that have propelled your career. I wonder if I can switch a little bit because I think this provides an amazing context in terms of how you really think about how you support all the stakeholders. Because I look at an organization yeah. like KSL where you've got a lot of different audiences that have very different expectations in terms of you and your teams. So mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering if you can share with us how you really manage that diversity of all the internal clients that you have to serve and, and how you support them in your current role today? Yeah, it's, um, it's a great question. It's probably best put into um, six different categories. It, it, stakeholders, of course, um, I could get very um, detailed in this, but let's just say the first category investors, the second category associates, the third category owners, the fourth category is our guests, the fifth category is the communities in which we operate our assets, and the fifth category would be our business partners, the solution providers and vendors that we work with to make sure the business works properly. Um, it, they, they are all very distinct, but the, the way I tackle it, Dorothy, and it's not rocket science for me, it's just what would I do if I was thinking of every single one of those groups as a customer set? There's a few things that there's literally a playbook I would follow. And um, if I treat them all as customers, it means I have to understand their mindset. So that means um, how do I make their lives better? So understand what do they value, um, not what I want them to value. And we do this pretty well with our guests, our consumers, trying to understand their motivations, dreams, wants and desires. Um Next would be their motivations, that their core motivations. And these change over time. So as we think about our playbook for each of these different stakeholder groups, we have to recognize that we have to adapt 
over the course of a 12 month period of the course of an asset's ownership. Next would be to be clear on the brand promise. What is it that I am bringing to them? Like, what do they take away from their relationship with me, with the relationship, uh, their relationship with our business or with our properties? And, and then we've always got to remember that we're engaging with all of these different stakeholder groups from a stage, so to speak. They're always observing. They're always watching. They're always creating impressions. There's, again, not rocket science. Stakeholder groups are just like your customer database. You have to segment. You have to adjust your communication strategy. You have to use different routes to market. So the way in which I engage with our investors and the conduits I use to do that are not going to be the same as those that I, I use for our partners or our vendors and such. Uh, I do think that marking mindset and really trying to think about them with the lens that they are bringing and then what that journey looks like in terms of that interaction and being able to constantly evolve that strategy with them, Christy, is very impactful. And I often think about that marketing framework in everything that we do because it is putting that customer lens, but recognizing that lens is different for each one of those audiences. Yeah, 100%. Actually, may I just build a little bit yeah. on, on this yeah. concept of, of MLB? Because it's something I feel very passionate about. People often ask me in my current role, what do you do? What does your company do? And because we have so many stakeholder groups, I have to, how do I answer that in a very simple way? And how do I help my team? address that in the simplest of ways, which is really, why do we do what we do? Why do we get up in the morning and come to work? And it really is, we're here to make lives better. We want to make lives better for our investors because the people who invest in the funds that are used to buy our properties are people like you and I. They are people like our grandparents and our parents. It is their hard-earned dollars, pounds, cents, and I want to make sure that I run the most efficient operation and deliver great results so that I can ensure that their investment delivers on the dividend and makes their lives better. And I would hope that others do the same for me as I move through my life. And, and then when I think about our associates, I don't want to just think about providing people with gainful employment. I want to give them meaningful at work to do every day so that they feel fulfilled and that we create an environment where they can flourish and grow. And sometimes that means they may have to leave us and go to one of our competitors. And that's perfectly okay if we don't have that next opportunity for them. Um, but ultimately, our job is to make their lives better and their families' lives better. And, and you, you go down the list and apply this MLB mindset. I think it's, it becomes, again, a, a sort of very simple way to think about how we go around our, our daily lives and, and how we do right by those different stakeholder groups and how we manage it. It's, I suppose it's like a, it's a guidebook. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful guidebook. And I do think that's a, a great lesson for all of our audience to think about as, as they think about the stakeholders and the individuals that are looking up to them in terms of how they can create meaning and value for their, the people that they influence in their careers. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about risk taking, because you've taken a lot of risks in your careers in terms of some <laughs> of the changes that you have been intentional about. But I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about some of those decisions and what the outcomes mm -hmm. look like for you. 
how you made some of those decisions, those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. I, I, my family laugh at this, but yeah, I think I was born for change because I absolutely love it. Now, not everybody is the same. I know that. But my appetite for change, city, I think is, is probably what has, has driven me to take a number of risks throughout my career. And as I see it, there's, there's no risk too big that you can't come back from. If things don't work out, you just change direction and try a different plan. But I think probably the single largest risk, actual risk that I took in my life was in 2002, where um, I decided to pack up my personal belongings, sell my house, uh, actually rent my house out at the time, uh, and go and live in Dubai. Here I was, a single young lady who uh, actually had recently lost my father. And I suppose maybe I was looking for a change in my personal life too, but the opportunity presented itself. And I thought, okay, this is great. I have an opportunity to learn a whole new culture. I'm going to a new geography. I'm going to learn new culture a new culture and new cultures and I'll talk about that in a bit more detail in a second uh, it was a brand new employer so I had to uh, navigate different teams different ways of, of operating um, and all of that just seemed very exciting to me uh, it, it probably was daunting too but it was more exciting than it was scary uh, because there was just so much change there and and when I, I, I think about that big risk. It was probably the best thing, uh, absolutely the best thing I have ever done in my life. I have no regrets from taking that risk um, for, for a number of reasons. That um, I think the first is it gave me such an incredible grounding in international needs, needs from the, the talent associate side of things, but also uh, for the different audiences that um, are traveling to that part of the world. And, and I was you know, lucky enough to go and join a great brand. So I was working with Jumeirah Group, who have beautiful assets, and they were going through a period of change, moving from owned to asset light. So I was able to live through that journey of change with the organization, from, through which I learned so much. I was able to engage with 100 plus different nationalities, inside our organization. And I quickly learned that uh, you have to understand the social framework, the fabric that has influenced the individuals in order to be able to help them be their best possible leader, manager, supervisor, individual contributor. And I didn't have any of those skills going in, any of that knowledge. That has been very valuable to me. And I have continued to apply that throughout my career going forward. I was able to learn about the different buying behaviors of all of the international markets. I knew very little about the Russian market and the Chinese market and Japanese market and broader Asian segments. And imagine if I hadn't taken that opportunity, I would still be so very linear and potentially myopic in, in my mindsets. That's continued to feed me I think the, the other pieces that are really important takeaways are the adaptability, that you learn it, but you also realize that change is a good thing. It shouldn't be a scary thing. We, we all have the capacity to adapt to different environments. But in that part of the world, because of, it, because of the political geographical factors, the region is often associated with negative 
connotations, right? There's if there's an issue somewhere else in the broader Middle East um, on the geopolitical scale, it tends to affect the UAE in some way, even though the physical distance is vast. Uh, but in the mindset of the consumer, it's one region. And uh, so for that reason, throughout the course of my time in the Middle East, and I was there for nine years, I lived through a number of changes and I had to adapt. We had to adapt uh, how we went to market, how we built our product, how we talked about where we were, even to the extent that we had to educate the traveling public as to our proximity to whatever was the issue. In other words, help them understand that it was at least, you know, eight hours by aeroplane away from us. I think you get the general idea, but that was very good training for, for what has since happened in all of our lives. I think probably my reaction and my response to COVID was informed by a lot of my experiences over in the Middle East. I've established a number of lifelong friendships. My network grew exponentially while I was out there, but I think the friendships I established were the most special. And lastly, but most importantly, apart from the sheer innovation in the region that you see, and I think that feeds your own creativity and helps you realize anything's possible. I met my husband while I was in the Middle East and I had both of my children while I was in that region. It's a period in my career and in my personal life where I had a number of landmarks. And for that reason, I'm forever grateful. Maybe I could expand on that a little bit. So so thank you for sharing that, Christiane, and making international moves and doing those kinds of personal resets and professional resets. Those are challenging for all uh, individuals. But I'm just wondering, because now you have made this move, and I, I don't know if there were other moves from when you were with Jamara, but that brought you to the U.S. But I, I'm just wondering if you can talk about how you go through that process of the reset when you make a move of that magnitude. Yeah, it's. I suppose it's different for everybody. I'd, I'd probably start by saying I replace the word challenge with chapters, right? So it, in life, we're actually writing our own story, aren't we? We're writing a series of chapters in life. So as, as each page turns, okay, what am I going to write on my page? And what is this chapter going to really be about? What's the crux of it? Um, so I, of, of all of, the, of, all of the, the changes or the challenges that I've embraced, I think probably coming to the US was the hardest, right? And, and people would be surprised by that. Why wouldn't the Middle East have been harder? It was actually the hardest because of where I was in my life. Um, And that's a factor here, too, that you have to keep in mind when you plan for some of these changes. I had when we came to the US, I had two children under 18 months of age. And you can picture this. We're living in a Hyatt place. Three bags, three, three suitcases of clothes and nothing else. Everything else was packed up in a container floating somewhere on a ship (laughs) in the ocean. Uh, So no toys. None of those things that you would connect with home, so to speak. And that created its own unique set of challenges. But here's what I learned. I learned state of mind is everything. You have to start with state of mind. And we've all heard the term glass half full, glass half empty. So start with the glass half full. There was a reason why you made the decision to, to embark on the change. Remember, you're writing your own chapter. Nobody else is writing it for you. So you decide what gets put on that page and how the story ends. 
And so that was the first piece I had to say to myself almost. It's almost like a, a form of intent that you set out. The second is I had to remind myself as I was doing that, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I want to learn. I'm doing this because I want to grow. I'm doing this because I'm trying to create new opportunities for myself and for my family. Um, and because I want to. Again, nobody forces us in life to make these changes. We choose. And I also felt as if my, my competitive side, this, I have to, I often find that it kicks in itself, but sometimes I have to go pull it through as well. I'm a very competitive person. And so when I set out to do something, I want to win. At least I want to get to the finish line. <laughs> and that also propels me. So I think it's a combination of mind, body, spirit in terms of reaching the end goal. But then the last thing is that I would share with everybody is there's always somebody who's going through more, who has to deal with more, who's having a worse day than you, probably has a worse set of circumstances. And so I consider myself lucky, even if things aren't quite going to plan. Uh, and again, you know, we controlled, for the most part, our futures. Uh, we get to make the decisions and, uh, and we have to live with the consequences of those decisions. But, but ultimately, it's state of mind. Well, I, I think that is a brilliant synopsis. I see that thread of that growth mindset and being very intentional in terms of thinking about the opportunities before you, Christy. So I thank you for that. I do think making those international moves is it, it, it really destabilizes people as human beings. And you, you have to keep that positive outlook or it can be a little overwhelming. So. Right. I, I, I have a vision of that Hyatt place with two children under 18 months. And I think it was an amazingly courageous move. So I thank you for sharing how you navigated all of that. But may I share, let me add a couple of other things if I can here, Dorothy, because I think yeah. there's a few of the things I probably overlooked. And that's, we often forget about how to, how to tackle things as if we would do, as if we were trying to master an art or a craft. We have to break things down in small chunks, make them manageable bite-sized chunks that was the other thing I think that I realized I can't if I just look forward and see this huge mountain ahead of me of all these things I have to get done that would be overwhelming but if I said okay step one I've got to get a social security number what's that going to take (laughs) because that's going to enable everything else for me it's going to give me a driving license I can get a mortgage I can do all these other things and we can get overwhelmed very quickly. So bite size is critical. The, the, the next was this sort of sphere of influence. What can I control in all of this? Wasn't that Franklin? Is that Franklin Covey? Identify yep. your sphere of yep. influence. Yeah. That thank you to Jamira for that because they put me through my uh, my Franklin Covey training. The sphere of influence really should guide everything that we do because we can waste an awful lot of time worrying about the stuff that we can't influence, and we also worry ahead of time. Don't do that. Biggest waste of energy ever. <laughs> what, what's, what's happening now that you need to get done now? And, uh, and then lastly, I, I write a lot of stuff. So I tend to write out my thoughts and what I need to get done. I, I build lists. I don't always follow those lists, but it's a cathartic process. I build my list. It helps me to order things in my mind. And then I go and talk to my mum. I'm lucky enough that she's still in my life and I can go and have that conversation. But it's the little things and the big things all put together. 
As I said, Christy, I, th- I think that those are really amazing tips for somebody that has immigrated to the U.S. I do think putting those lists together and trying to identify the priorities and, and trying not to think about the mountain, but to think about climbing the mountain one step at a time. I think those are all incredibly valuable tips for us to approach any big challenge in terms of making sure that we don't get overwhelmed and that we move the ball forward and give ourselves permission to uh, think about things in micro ways. Um, I'm just wondering, because you talked about moving here with your two small children, and one of the things that always comes up with a lot of the advisors we talk about is this integration of our work and our life and how we manage all of these things in terms of making sure we bring our best self to our, our various roles. Yes. So I, I'm just wondering if you have any advice that you would offer to our audience in terms of how you've been brought your best self to your parenting role and also your professional role, which of course is how I know you. It's a work in progress <laughs> is my honest answer. And I'll always be authentic with you, Dorothy. If you were putting that question to my husband, he would tell you I live to work. Frankly, I love what I do. But you know what? Because I'm happy and thriving through my work I think that makes me a better person with my family there's no great answer to this ultimately and I think of it almost like the spinning plates analogy there's a series of of plates on those sticks but some of those plates are work some of those plates are my family some of those plates are my friends and I'm running up and down that line trying to make sure that none of those plates wobble and fall off and crash on the floor uh, everybody will will come at it a little bit differently, but I, I would hope that my children consider me, maybe not now, because they're still at a point in their lives where they're trying to understand who they are, but hopefully in time they will appreciate uh, what I do um, and why I do what I do, and uh, that will have an impact on how they behave and, and build themselves going forward. I do remind myself daily, myself daily that I have a finite amount of time with them at this point in their lives. So I I am making efforts currently to be more disciplined, more disciplined in terms of how I tackle my business projects and my commitments at work and balance that with the time and the attention that I provide to my family. And when I am with my family, I want to be present. And I think it's really easy to say I create time with my family, but it has to be meaningful time. I would rather have one hour with my husband and my children where I'm all in versus three hours where I'm listening superficially, but maybe in the back of my mind, I'm worrying about the three other things that have to get done and the email box that's filling up while I'm wherever I am. So I think there's a certain amount of discipline that I have to apply to myself so that everybody gets their fair share. If I put my commercial hat on, right, what does fair share look like? <laughs> and and that may change over the course of 12 months, just as it does with the seasonality of our properties. I think there's some correlations there, but there's no good answer. I'm asked frequently about work-life balance, and I would answer honestly to say I don't have balance, and I'm okay with that. That's how I'm wired. But there's a couple of things I, I just would like to recap, Christy, because one is I do fundamentally believe that when people are genuinely engaged with their work and it rewards them in so many ways, 
you you are a happier person. I think you bring that happiness and share it with everyone, including obviously your children and your your parents, but I, and your husband. But the other aspect is is just giving yourself permission for that because I do think as parents that is part of what we have to do is show that to our children to give them permission down the road that they are going to have that ability to make some of those life choices. We're coming up to the end of our interview, Christy, and I have to just thank you again for your authenticity. You just bring so much wisdom in in everything that you do. And the other part that I have always cherished about you is just that you live it. You bring that lived self of Christy to everything that you touch. But we always ask every advisor if there Mm -hmm. is one Final thought they would like to share with our audience. You've brought so much to us already, but is there one other thing you would like to offer? Oh, it's hard to nail down one other thing. Focus on what matters. That sort of ties everything together. Focus on what matters. Maybe a thrift mindset, I think, is something that's really topical today. And what I mean by that is don't just keep trying to acquire. Um, Repurpose what you've got. Optimize what you've got. Look at who you are. I think knowing somebody's, you have to know your worth as well. As an audience, I would say, know your worth, be confident in who you are, and don't be afraid right, to ask for help or to ask for your next opportunity. Because I often think we, we sit back and say, if I just work really hard and buckle down, they'll notice me. Sometimes they do, but a lot of the times they don't. And we're, we have to go and advocate, obviously, for ourselves. You mentioned bringing others on journey earlier. I think um, I have to underscore that. It's so important that we bring others in terms of how we communicate, how we visualize success, help them understand. But ultimately, it's about being a good human in everything that we do. Stay relevant and be a good human. And I believe karma. I could quote Taylor Swift at this point in time. (laughs) I won't, but I do believe in karma. (laughs) Christy, I will tell you, as you have always brought others to the table with you, and I I think that's why you have so so much amazing followership in the industry. I thank you for all that you do for all of us. I thank you for sharing, as I said, so much wisdom with our audience today. And I am someone who is always cheering you on from the sidelines because I just look at what your career trajectory will be in the future, and I'm going to be celebrating that probably on the sidelines, but always, I just can't thank you enough for all that you do for all of us. Thank you, Dorothy. You're incredible. Appreciate you.